Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said, ooh, hello. <laughs> if it's too loud, wave me down. I'm loud to begin with. So, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. He'll be free. Please be seated. And said, where's my money? And what did you do? 
You ran out and did what? Got it from under the rock and gave it back. Very nice, thank you. And what are you going to do? That's right, that's exactly what you're going to do. You go to the bank, get the money out of the account, plus interest. So you give me my five dollars plus two cents. Thank you. <laughs> and then I can do what I say, what are you going to do? Big bucket of money, thank you. Now here's the question. It's like a trick question, okay? Who does the boss like the best? You're right, you're right. Why? You think, huh? But well, how do all of his friends feel about the boss now? Do they like the boss? Because he threw a big party with the boss's money. Do you think those other people think the boss is pretty cool now? Yeah, yeah they probably do. Well, that's how you are supposed to be with all the stuff that God gives you. God has given you a lot of things. Maybe some money, but God has also given you a wonderful church and friends and all sorts of wonderful gifts. And God says, take my gifts and go and invite all your friends using the gifts that I've given you. Invite them all so that they'll know how awesome I am. That's what God says. So we say this when you were baptized. Did you know this? When you were baptized, somebody stood next to you with a candle, and the pastor said, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that is a fancy psalmist way of saying, Go out, be awesome, so everybody else knows that God is awesome. That's it. That's what it means. All that fancy talk, that's what it meant. So, God gives you stuff so you can go out and be awesome and invite everybody else to God's party. Because believe it or not, what you are currently in is God's party. Right now, look around. This is a little bit of God's party. It doesn't feel like a party, does it? What's missing? Balloons. Okay. okay, we've got food. We do have food. What's the food that we offer in, in church? Bread. Bread and? And wine. Very nice. Okay, so we got that covered. We got the food. Balloons and streamers. Well, we've got stained glass windows. <laughs> That's pretty good. What else? People. I'm pretty sure we got people, right? So that's, and they're friendly people too, which is also something that's important for a party, right? You don't want to invite a bunch of cranky, angry people. You want some friendly people, and we've got that too. So that's all part of God's party. And your thing is to go out and invite other people to God's party with all the gifts that God has given you. So that's what we're called to do, and that's a story that Jesus tells us. So let's offer a word of prayer before you guys go. I understand there's some snacks involved here too. So let's offer a word of prayer, okay? We thank you, God, for this day with its many blessings, and we ask that you help us to use the gifts that you give us so that everyone will know how awesome you are. Thank you. Amen.
lessons today. You have the strange person in the pulpit. You've got Reformation Sunday. You've got stewardship season. You have a lot going on around here. And so I am here to just say hi. My name is Liz. I grew up here in central Pennsylvania. I'm a pastor, and I have been for 20 years. I have served many congregations, but now I serve as the regional gift planner of the ELCA Foundation, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America Foundation. And what we do is we help congregations and people like you think long term. We help your congregation think about how it will fund ministry into the future, and we help you as the people of God think about how you will leave your legacy in the world, expressing both your faith and your love for those people and places and things that you love. So we help you think through those things, and it's a ministry of the church. Now, lest you think I work on commission or something crazy like that, I think you need to know that my position is sponsored not just by the ELCA Foundation, but I have 14 Central Pennsylvania partners who also bring me to you, and I, they wanted me to say thank you for your support because they are the following, and you will recognize some in my list. So the Lutheran Camping Corporation, I think you've heard of it, right? So the Lutheran Camping Corporation, yeah, I was going to mention the quilt auction. Love that quilt auction. If you haven't been to the quilt auction, just going to enjoy the food and the fellowship and a beautiful fall day in the walk was worth the time. Um, but in any event, so certainly the Lutheran Camping Corporation, Gettysburg College, Gettysburg Seminary, which, by the way, is now United Lutheran Seminary. Maybe you've heard that, too. I know you guys live nearby. Most places that I go these days have not heard that because they're not near Gettysburg, right? So I go to places and I say, we have United Lutheran Seminary, and they're like, what? What's that? Um, but yes, they are one of my sponsors, as well as uh, Susquehanna University, which is the other college in central Pennsylvania that's Lutheran. I have other outdoor ministry partners, the Lutheran Campus Ministry of Penn State, and social ministries like Spirit Trust Lutheran and Diacon, both of which serve this area, so you may have heard of them. So those are some of my 14 partners that bring me to you today. So thank you from all of them to you. Thank you from the ELCA for your gifts to ELCA World Hunger and Lutheran Disaster Response and the many ministries that your congregation has supported. So thank you. So as I'm here on Reformation Sunday, and I was invited because part of what I do is money, I'm always invited to talk about money, but to talk about money, we have to first talk about the gospel. There's no way that we as Christians are capable of thinking or talking about money without first talking about where it comes from and how we get it. Now, I could wax theological and philosophical about all those things. But what I'd rather do is take another look at something that is happening today, and that is the Reformation. Because we're in that time where we are about to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation, which we mark with the nailing of the 95 Theses to a door back in Germany, most of which, of that event, which many of us don't remember or experienced in our daily lives, many of us who are Lutheran may not have started out as Lutheran as I did. I'm a fifth generation Lutheran pastor, died in the wool, never going to be anything else sort of Lutheran. 
But some of us may have started out a different way, so maybe our Lutheran story doesn't start with the Reformation, and it feels like something kind of out there that we're not really connected to. But let me just take a minute and talk about what that means. A few minutes ago, the choir sang an anthem based upon a hymn called The Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now, if the Lutheran Church were to have a national or international, in our case, anthem, it would be A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Why? Well, if you look at the hymn, it's 504 in your hymnal, by the way. If you look it up, you will see who wrote it? Martin Luther. And it says the music was written by Martin Luther as well, although that is widely debated in Lutheran circles as to how much he had to do with the music. But Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., not to be confused, but Martin Luther was a guy who was Catholic. Now, if you are like me, Catholic is a bad word. I'm Lutheran, and I was raised in central Pennsylvania, and there was always a clear line between Lutherans and Catholics in my family. Now, it wasn't because Lutherans are awesome and Catholics are not, but because when my grandmother and my grandfather on my father's side got married, my grandfather's family, who were devout Roman Catholics, banished my grandmother and grandfather because my grandmother was Lutheran. Even though she converted, even though she took the classes, even though she agreed to raise my father Roman Catholic, they kicked them out of the family. So in my family, being Lutheran or Roman Catholic is a big deal. We don't marry outside of the family. My sister, my older one, the audacious one, by the way, dared to marry an Armenian Orthodox. I don't even know what that is. Someone will explain it to me someday. But we all know that Lutheran theology is somehow, some way connected to why there are so many expressions of the church in the world today. And that goes back to something that happened 500 years ago. So what exactly happened? Well, if you read the words of Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, you will capture the essence of what the Reformation, and really the church, is about. It is that idea that is expressed in our psalm today. That God is our refuge in trouble. That if we stand in the gospel, nothing can shake us or overpower us. We don't fear. We tremble not. Unmoved we stand. Right, choir? Those are the words of that hymn, which I think maybe we take for granted as Christians. And I'm not sure why we do. Tell me that you have not seen the world tremble. Have you not seen or heard anguish, pain, suffering? Are these not things that 
that shape our society's narrative. If I were to say these words, 2000, does it mean something to you? 9-11? 1919? Anyone? Some of you are starting to catch it, right? Our society's narrative is marked over and over and over again by a story of, of trouble and woe and struggle and fear and tragedy. And those dates we can rattle off and for some of us even cause anguish in our hearts today. December 20th, does that mean anything to anyone? Sandy Hook. Does that mean anything to anyone? This is the narrative that we live with today. Orlando used to mean Disney World to me. It doesn't anymore. Our world is preoccupied with a tale and a narrative of sin and death and decay. Our world is preoccupied with the story of the end times. When I became a pastor in 1997, it wasn't too late after that that, the, that Y2K, for those of you who are too young to remember, that's the year 2000. Um, that came into being, but at that time, does anybody remember mass hysteria? Okay, we used to be able to put on dates, right, my birthday, 225-69, now we put 1969 because of Y2K, right? We had this whole thing about four digits, and the whole world was going to fall apart, and everybody was going to starve, and it was winter, and we were going to be in isolation, and the dark ages were going to fall. I remember that. I remember teaching Sunday school and reading the book of Revelation with my Sunday school and having people tell me that that is what was coming. The end times. Now, if I read Facebook, I know that November 9th is the end times. <laughs> oh, just think about it. It doesn't matter who you're voting for, you know it's the end times. But that's what we do, right? We look for the signs and the symptoms of the end of time because we ourselves are drawn in and somehow even nurtured by the idea of crisis and sin and decay. And ladies and gentlemen and brothers and sisters in Christ, what it does is it feeds our souls that are concupiscent and driven away from God and much more interested in itself. Our spirits are longing for something that is other than God because we think somehow within ourselves that we can find the thing that will nurture and sustain and take care of us and create that safe place for us and will help us to prosper and to do well. We believe somehow within ourselves that we are capable. We are capable of sustaining the universe in a way that there will be peace on earth, that we possess that power. 
And so we chase it in every aspect of our lives, whether it be our jobs or our homes or the lottery. We look for a means of something to satiate our souls because they are hungry. And we feed on a narrative that feeds our darker and sinful self. Death and decay are the food of our society and our lives. And yet, we tremble not, unmoved we stand. Luther wrote those words at a time when the Iberian Peninsula was being invaded from Africa. At a time where his very home felt threatened. And he wrote some of the most powerful words. Were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever. That's the closing line. The money purchases are gone. It is who we are in the world, brothers and sisters. It is who we are. We are the light to the nations. We are those who are able to stand in the world and be the vessel of hope. We are the river that is flowing through the city of God and making it glad. We are the fruit that God has produced so that the world will know that sin, death, and decay is not the food of faith, but rather the bread and wine of forgiveness. That the waters that wash over us are not the blood of the martyrs, but rather the waters of our baptism. That we are saved and redeemed, and that nothing, nothing can change that. Not our status in this life, not our status in death. We are called and claimed as God's children. And that that claiming is not something that you or I manufacture on our own or even naturally gravitate toward. We naturally gravitate toward the things that are worldly, even though we are not of the world. We come to church to be fed and nourished by that that is godly and sacred so that while we are in the world, we are able to be that which God has redeemed us to be. God's vessels of hope. Read again our psalm for today that talks about a place of eternal joy where God reigns. Where God is the one who saves and feeds and nourishes. We are that vessel of hope, that voice, you and me, in the world. 
so hopeful. I live in the world too. I'm looking at college loans and responsibilities and mortgages and car payments and all the things that we can allow to drag us down and yet. God has filled us with this message of hope and that's what the Reformation was about. Calling and claiming that which God wants us to be. To be God's. To show God's love in the world. Healing and joyful and most of all, eternal. This time and this age with its pain and its anguish is a moment in the eternity of God's kingdom. We are connected and united to something that transcends this moment. We are connected and united to someone that transcends these moments and this time. You and I are connected by Christ to one another as brothers and sisters for eternity so that the world will know the one eternal truth that God loves us.